What was I thinking? In an effort to help Greg out by preaching this week, I got stuck with one of those prickly gospel lessons. <laughs> it's prickly to me because, A, I don't really like talking about money, mine or anyone else's. And B, most other people don't like talking or hearing about money either. But today's gospel is more than just a passage about money and possessions. It's a passage about love and relationship. But then that's Jesus all over. We Christians are notorious for compartmentalizing our faith life. On Sundays, before meals, early in the morning, before we go to bed, when we pray. Sure, that's a natural part of our faith life. But when we're doing homework or balancing a checkbook or prioritizing our spending or thinking about our jobs, that's not always something we consider a part of our faith life. But God wants our faith to encompass all aspects of our real life. So this man comes to Jesus. He's a devout Jew, well versed in the law, and he feels something more is needed. But he wants to make sure that he can inherit eternal life. His plea is sincere. There's no haughtiness or arrogance or anything about him. But he knows he needs something. As everyone who comes to Jesus in Mark comes for some kind of healing. What the man doesn't know is that that one thing that he lacks is a relationship with Jesus and those around him. Jesus' response is twofold. And the first one, I just, I just love it. Jesus looks at the man and loves him. Try to imagine what that look would be it, for yourself. Jesus just looks at you and loves you. Jesus doesn't judge or test him or condemn. He meets the man right where he is, which is literally in the middle of the road. And he loves him. Jesus does the same thing for us. He meets us right where we are right now and he loves us but then Jesus gives the man a task go sell what you have and give the money specifically to the poor 
He doesn't say throw it all away. He doesn't say burn it. He says go and give it to the poor. He forces the man into a relationship. These words hit the young man pretty hard because as Scripture says, he goes away grieving. He's pleaded his case to Jesus. What must I do? I have kept all these things. But it's not really about I. It's about us. For Jesus, the young man, and all of us today, are caretakers or stewards of our stuff, our wealth, our possessions. And we are charged to use what we have to help all the people that God has given us as companions along the way. There's a Chinese saying that goes, if you want happiness for an hour, take a nap. If you want happiness for a day, go fishing. If you want happiness for a year, inherit a fortune. If you want happiness for a lifetime, help somebody. For centuries, the greatest thinkers have suggested exactly the same thing. True happiness is found in helping others. St. Peter's is well known for helping others. The food pantry, the Guatemala mission, the Wisdom House, Conway Locally Grown, the Morgan House, Education for Ministry, Daughters of the King, Brotherhood of St. Andrew, EYC, the Little Free Library, the Brown Bag Book Club, the Afternoon Bible Study. And I imagine that almost every person in this room has been touched in some way by one of these ministries and by the people involved with them. There's a lot of good stuff going on around here all the time. And that doesn't even include the day-to-day requests we get for immediate assistance from those in need, our companions along the way. I invite you in the coming days to think of one particular blessing each day, either from home or from work or from school or from here, and give thanks for it in prayer. If we can deliberately take notice and give thanks for our blessings, I think we'll begin to see more and more that we really can live into a relationship with God and share in His abundance. But as you consider those blessings each day, take a moment and trace the origin of it. Chances are the origin of the blessing will be based in a relationship. We weren't meant to be alone. Spouses, partners, children, friends, strangers. 
God created us to be in relationship with Him and with one another. And He sent His Son to show us the way. Many see the young man in today's gospel as failing in his encounter with Jesus. That he couldn't bear to part with his possessions and so he turned away. But let me direct you to a passage a little later on in Mark. Over in chapter 14, when Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss and the crowd comes out to arrest Jesus. Verse 51 reads, a certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. Maybe our young man did realize, after some time, that it's not just a list of things to check off. It's not just about I. We do have obligations to help others when we can. And we usually always can. Jesus' final statement to the young man is, Then come, follow me. Whenever I hear those words, my mind always goes to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a 20th century theologian and martyr for the faith. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Bonhoeffer writes, When Christ calls someone, he bids them come and die. It's a call to die to our selfish old self. To realize that all our stuff is just that stuff. And to give up thinking that our salvation is up to us alone. It's not. It's a call to live in relationship with Christ and one another. And to remember that with God, all things are possible for each and every one of us. Amen.